Hello everyone. This is a follow-up to the overview of the Lannister Pyromancers podcast from a few days ago. Today we're going to be looking at two lists incorporating these units, and two drastically different ones of that, and how they play out. We have a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and get right into it. The first list we have is going to be a Tyrion Lannister half-man list. Uh, the list is as follows. A unit of Pyromancers with an Assault Veteran. Another unit of Pyromancers with an Assault Veteran. Unit of Lannister Crossbowmen with Tyrion Lannister the Halfman. And two units of Lannister Guardsmen. One with a Guard Captain, one Vanilla. Two non-combat units, Peter Baelish and Pycelle. 40 points. A uh, total of four neutral points at that list. Alright, so this list is going to be predominantly ranged heavy. In theory, uh, as I've mentioned on the previous podcast, talking about the Lancer Pyromancers, they're in fact a melee unit that happens to have a ranged attack, but most people are going to view them as a ranged unit, so technically this list contains three ranged units and two melee units, making it a little bit unique. So why have we chosen Tyrion as our commander? Well, let's look at his tactics cards that we have access to. First one is going to be Delay Orders, when an enemy would activate a combat unit. That enemy must choose a different combat unit to activate if able. If you control the tactic zone, you may choose the unit that must be activated instead. Okay, so this is going to be the first one of our tools that we have. And this is going to add to the survivability of our, frankly, rather glass cannon pyromancer units and technically the crossbows. The point of this list is you're going to have two units of guardsmen that are going to go up, engage whatever enemies they can. You're going to have your pyromancers that are going to be coming around to the flanks, hurling in some dragon fire, sorry, wildfire, whatever you want to call it and potentially charging in. Uh, obviously that is our battle plan and no plan survives contact with the enemy, so you have to assume that at some point the Pyromancers are going to get in combat. Delay Orders is one of those cards that's going to help keep them alive because it is going to force the target that is attacking them potentially over the next round to uh, basically get delayed, go figure the name, and give us an extra attack in. I spoke about this previously, but the important reason for this is that the Pyromancers are technically an attrition unit in the fact that if anything is directly fighting them, it's going to become just a matter of who can now damage who first, and that's going to come down to who gets the most number of attacks in. The Pyromancers are absolutely devastating every single time they attack, and so they can really wipe a unit, it almost doesn't matter what it is, in a prolonged engagement of even just something like two to three rounds of combat. If they've got an assault veteran attached, then they can usually wipe another unit, regardless of what it is, in two activations. So that's really the kind of key point of this list, is you want to get to that two activation wipeout as quickly as you can. Um, delay Orders is going to help you do that on the defensive side of things, because it's going to allow you to uh, keep your guys from getting killed. Pyromancers have the worst defensive uh, stat line of any unit in the game currently, at a 6+, plus, 7+, and so they really can't survive you know, a, a lot of prolonged fights. So you really just need to bypass that altogether. And that's what Delay Orders is doing for you. It's allowing you to, on the defensive side of things, keep them alive to hit that two rounds of combat sweet spot. The next card that we're going to look at here for Katerian is Cunning Ploy. When a friendly combat unit activates, instead of this unit performing an action, one previously activated combat unit may perform one action instead. This unit still gains the activation token. If you control the tactics zone, opponents may not play tactics cards this turn. This is the yin-yang mirror opposite of de uh, delay orders. This is the one where you're going to go on the offense, because this is going to allow you to... Uh, give up another unit's activation to activate those Pyromancers one more time. Usually that's going to be a unit of Lancer Guardsmen. Guardsmen 
really kind of do dick all on the offense. They're there to just tie people up and whittle them down via Lancer Supremacy. So frankly, you don't really care if they're attacking that much. Their job is just to go hold an objective and just be a general pain in the ass for the opponent and lock up a unit. So giving up their activation, okay, who cares? Um, but in doing so, you're going to give your Pyromancers that extra two attack sweet spot that we've, you know, I'm going to keep talking about um, as you know this list, uh, this list podcast goes on. In addition to that, you also have your um, crossbowmen. They're going to benefit from this as well. Okay, there's really not uh, any of your damage output units, your two pyromancer units, your Lannister crossbowmen units. They're all going to benefit from cunning ploy, being able to reactivate. If you've got some uh, crossbowmen there in the flank, they're going to be shooting, you know, their sundering crossbows at a further minus one because you're hitting something in the flank. That usually is going to reduce something to a uh, six plus in all but the best defenses. So they're effectively hitting the same as your pyromancers are. I know that there's the question as well of like, well, why are you not just running a third pyromancer unit instead of the crossman? The thing is, is that Tyrion being our commander and his ability to um, negate tactics cards, we do want to keep him a little protected. And the short range from the pyromancers does put them in a little bit of a, uh, you know, iffy situation. And the fact that you are going to be charging into combat with them. With the crossman, you don't have to worry about that. They're never, ever going to voluntarily see melee combat if you can help it. So you can keep them behind your other units or off to the sides with Tyrion, who doesn't really need any type of um, battlefield positioning. As long as he's just there, you're getting his benefit. So he doesn't have to see any direct engagements, and nor does he want to. So you want to stick him in a unit that's really just going to be one that your opponent has to go out of the way to deal with. And that's why he's sticking in with those Lannister crossbowmen. Because they're going to be sitting behind the unit of guardsmen with the pyromancers, and frankly... They should be the last target in the army that the enemy is uh, going after. Well, I say that in the fact that they know they don't want to get tied up with guardsmen, but they should be going after those two units of pyromancers. That is the high-priority threat that's in your army. So if they're devoting time to go after your crossman unit with Tyrion, then that means they're not going after pyromancers, or they've destroyed both your pyromancers, and it's probably late in the game, and you're either going to win or lose fairly soon. So either way, that's that situation there. Back to Cunning Ploy. So that one is going to really be kind of the linchpin of your army uh, to get that double activation, to get that wipeout in there. This one is going to be the one that is going to kind of revolve around your uh, your strategy is going to revolve around, which means that's a very important guard. This brings us to our third tactics card from Tyrion, Adaptive Tactics. Start of any turn. Place this card at the bottom of your tactics deck and return one discarded tactics cards to your hand. If you control the Tactics Zone, one opponent must also randomly discard one Tactics card. This is your card that's going to let you recycle, delay orders, and cunning ploy. And Tyrion himself has this whole mechanic with, you know, just cycling with those cards using adaptive tactics. And that's what you want to do here. You want to really just be cycling those cards the most, uh, the best you can, getting multiple uses out of them, and then using them on your insanely deadly Pyromancer units to really just cripple anything across the battlefield. Obviously, you're not going to always have that option because you might not always have adaptive tactics or these cards available. But that's why we have built our strategy around the tactic zone and claiming that. Uh, Tyrion himself obviously wants that zone, but sometimes it's not always optimal to control it. That's why we have Peter Baelish in there. We also have Peter Baelish in there because he's going to give us access to clutch healing via the wealth zone we needed or an extra attack. You know, he can he's just a jack of all trades unit. And the thing with this list is as a very jack of all trades uh, kind of list, we should always have options. We should always be able to deal with whatever's coming at us. And Peter's going to really help us with that. 
The other thing is that because Tyrion's tactics cards are so important, we really want to get as many as we can. So frankly, having Peter claim a zone on the tactics board to deny your opponent an area and then using it as the tactics zone, you know, get you two extra tactics cards, place a condition token on someone, which in this case is most likely going to be panicked, um, and then use Pycelle to actually claim the tactics zone drawing two more cards. So you can have a giant hand of tactics cards, which is going to give you more options. And seeing as how the Lancers focus on defense, manipulation, and Otirian, uh battlefield manipulation, you're really going to have a bunch of just options for dealing with any situation that comes up. Our second NCU option, Pycelle, is in there because he's going to be passing out weakened tokens. Weakened is fairly important in this army because you have basically no sustain. Uh, the whole thing on this one is just that it's going to be a straight damage trade with your opponent, as I mentioned earlier, and your job is just out-damage them before they kill you. Part of that is really just being able to activate and deal as much damage as you can, but that might not always be the situation. Sometimes you're going to have to go on the defensive, and that's why Pycelle is here. Handing out weakened ensures that it's going to be less hits from the enemy, which means that less of your guys are going to die. And that is super, super important in this army versus most any other variant of a Lancer list you can run, because your guys are so high risk, high reward. You evaporate. I mean, you are the literal definition of a glass cannon with this list, so you need to stick around. But if you do, even if you're reduced down to one rank, the damage they cause is still very, very severe. Uh, namely because of those Assault Veterans. But even if you weren't factoring in the Assault Veterans, the Pyromancers are still throwing three dice uh, in melee, hitting on threes and ones, only missing on twos, and vicious. That's still a tremendous amount of damage when you factor in that the enemy does not get defense saves. So even though it's a low number of dice, the damage output is still very high compared to other units that you know ha uh, give your opponent a chance to roll defense saves. Because even if you have an attack like, say, four dice, Okay, let's say even six dice. Six dice, you're going to hit an average of half the time, causing three hits. Let's say your average defense save is a four plus. That means you're going to get 1.5 hits in. Okay, so these guys here throwing three dice, hitting on anything but twos, means that you're probably going to be uh, hitting on average a 2.75 slash three hits. So you can almost round it to three out of three hits, causing three wounds. So you're dealing the consistent same amount of damage as a unit that's throwing uh, six dice at its last rank. You also have Vicious to factor in on top of this. So, you know, these guys have a high damage potential, even if you're not just looking at the raw number of dice. So that's something to factor in as well for some of the ones who are more math-inclined out there. But, so, that is a general overview of the unit choices in this list, why they're there, and how to use the uh, Tyrion's Tactics cards to your advantage. Um, the thing to note about this list is that it is fairly slow. Um, on paper, because your units are only speed 5, you're not running in cavalry, and then your Lancer Guardsmen are slogging along at a 4 speed. So objectives can kind of be a bit of a mixed bag when you are playing them. Uh, and you've got three scenarios that are going to be dealing with them. You've got Game of Thrones, which is all about objective control. You have Clash of Kings. And then you're also going to have Winds of Winter, which can feature it depending on which of the hidden uh, hidden missions you draw. Game of Thrones is not going to be that bad because units are going to want to sit on objectives, and frankly that means the Pyromancers can kind of bring out their ranged uh, attack a little bit better because then the opponent's going to have an option of either they're going to come after you or they're going to die in two attacks from Wildfire. So it's a no-win situation for them. And, you know, I love no-win situations for your opponent. In that game mode specifically, if your Pyromancers can't get on objective first, then you're going to want to walk up there, get into short range of the enemy unit, and just hurl some Wildfire. 
At this point, they're going to either have to sit there, take wildfire, and die, or they're going to have to charge you. Yes, the charge is going to suck, but hopefully you've weakened them at this point, and even if you haven't, then they're going to charge into you, and you've got your assault veteran waiting to trigger and get that attack in. So, you've got some options there. If you're playing Clash of Kings, this one can... <laughs> this one actually gets really fun, because yes, you have Tyrion that has to start and play, and yes, it's going to be unit crossman that's out there with him, but the thing is, is that your guys coming in from flanks, uh, since everything is kind of deploying in flanks in this game mode, that means that when you deploy your pyromancers, you're probably always going to have a target. And your pyromancers, because they keep respawning like everything else does, you can really, um, this is not a pun, burn through enemy units uh, just almost nonstop with them. So, you know, it becomes a matter of just anything that comes out, you're instantly going to probably kill. Now, I will say that they do suffer a little bit in that game mode because a lot of the times uh, units are going to be getting flank and rear bonuses in that game mode, and here you don't really care about that too much because you're not getting defense saves. But it's still a fun game mode for them just because everything kind of is centered around the, uh, sorry, clustered around the table edges. Um, and again, you're also trying to control objectives, which I just mentioned, you know, why these guys are good at displacing. If you were playing storm of swords the siege scenario and that one so this one this list is going to suffer a little bit in that mode if you are playing uh anything if you're playing the defender i should say if you're playing the attacker then pyromancers absolutely will light up a castle wall as they just deal auto wounds and it has the ability to block hits that's a matter of just getting them up there though but they do respawn so you do get to you know constantly move them up and potentially use cunning ploy to get them extra activation so you can actually burn down a castle wall fairly quickly if you're the defender though this list is a little bit trickier to run in the fact that you have to be careful okay i see a lot of people when they play storm swords as the defender they get hyper aggressive and your job is not to wipe out the enemy in fact you can't because they respawn your job is to survive six rounds you need to keep your guys near the wall shoot some arrows down and then when they get close have pyromancers to start hurling wildfire the problem is, is that only half your combat units are going to start in play. For me, that's going to be the Pyromancers because, well, there's some options actually. I'm not going to say directly it's Pyromancers. You could start with two units of Lancer Guardsmen in play to kind of weather out those first three rounds of combat. And frankly, that's probably going to be your best bet now that I think about it. Because the most dangerous time for the Defender is actually going to be the initial rounds of the game when they only have half their units and they're waiting for everyone else to come in from reserve. Uh, you need units that are going to actually survive those three rounds. And Pyromancers can get group attacked and taken down fairly quickly. The Guardsmen can at least hold out. Plus, the Pyromancers coming on the flanks on the later edges is still better than Guardsmen coming on the flanks on the later edges because, like, as we talked about, Guardsmen kind of do dick all on the attack. Yeah, even if they're hitting from the flanks, oh no, they're going to hit me with their longswords. Whatever. Wins a winner, it's going to really depend on which of the game, uh, sorry, the secret missions you're getting. So you've got to kind of play to your strengths there. And that's really a whole topic in itself about how to function. Last one is if you're playing Feast for Crows, then you've got a staggering amount of Vicious across your army here. The only issue is that your Pyromancers also have terrible morale. So they're going to probably be racking up um, victory point tokens, the same as your opponent is. This is one of those games where it really is going to become just a matter of dealing more damage than you're taking, and it's going to become an arms race. If you, you know, follow the general strategies that I was talking about here and just use your cunning ploys and your delay orders to make sure you get those two attacks in there, then you'll probably be fine because it's a combat-focused scenario, and given that, you actually 
um, are a very combat-heavy Lannister army, and can, you know, again, win a war of attrition if you're smart about it. So that's going to wrap it up for this list. Let's take things in another direction and look at list number two, which is actually going to be a list led by Gregor Clegane, The Mountain. And it is as follows. It is a unit of House Clegane Mountain's men, Vanilla, a unit of Lannister halberdiers led by Sandor Clegane, The Hound, a unit of pyromancers with Gregor Clegane, The Mountain, and a unit of pyromancers with an assault veteran. Only four combat units, that's right. But we're making up for that with our non-combat units in the form of Pycelle, Tyrion Lannister, and Peter Baelish. This is going to actually be a little bit more of an advanced list for people to play. You are really going to have to enjoy tactics board manipulation to make this list work. But if you do, it can be absolutely crippling to your opponent. So the reason why we are running the Mountain as our commander is because, as I've said in this podcast and the previous one going over the Pyromancers, they are a super nasty melee unit that just happens to have a ranged attack. And nothing exemplifies that more than putting them in with the Mountain. So the three tactics cards the Mountain is bringing to the table. First one is Fury of the Mountain. When a friendly unit makes a melee attack, this attack gains critical blow. Rolls of 6 deal 2 hits. If this is a House Clegane unit, critical blow instead triggers on a roll of a 5+. So each one of your hits is not allowing defense saves. More hits, more damage, more things dead. I mean, that's simple math, right guys? So giving them critical blow is exceptionally nice. We have one of the units in here is going to be a House Clegane unit because we've stuck the Mountain in there. So that means you're going to be triggering on a 5+. This is our hardcore kill unit, by the way, that your opponent should absolutely not want to engage under any circumstances. There's also the uh, topic, by the way, you could take Sandor and stick him in the other unit of Pyromancers, but frankly, I really feel that's going to be a bit of a waste of what he can do. So it's something to consider. I mean, I don't consider it absolutely useless, but it's a hard trade-off for me just to get the uh, the House Clegane keywords. I will say that there is some benefit to him giving them the plus one to hit because like the Assault Veteran, it makes them auto hit anything in melee because of their uh, rule of rolls of one cause a wound to themselves and the enemy. But it's also dealing themselves damage and conferring Vicious. And with the fact that it's giving Vicious, you're paying points for something that they already have. And I'm never a fan of doing that. Now, because the Assault Veteran also kind of does the same thing, the benefit there, though, is that Sandor can be triggered every single time they attack, unlike the Assault Veteran, who is only going to give it once per round. The thing, though, is that with the Pyromancers, you really only need to get two attacks in to wipe out a unit um, pre uh, pretty reliably, so therefore being able to trigger that ability multiple times per round, I just don't really see a need for it. I do really like him on the Halberdiers, but we'll get to that in a moment. Going back to the cards, the next one we have is Orders to Destroy. When you claim a zone on the tactics board, replace that zone's effect with one friendly unit and make a free melee attack action rolls plus two dice. Guys, as I said before, more dice, more damage, more killy, you get the idea. If this is a House Clegane unit, it may instead make a free charge action and rolls plus two dice. That's where things get nasty here. Um, Wix, with both of the, uh, well actually all three of the Clegane units we have in the army. With the Pyromancers, they're rolling a total of eight dice. They're going to be hitting on threes of a reroll. And then you have Gregor with them as well, who is going to make the enemy panicked, noting that you have Vicious, and dealing additional D3 wounds. So this is, you're throwing eight dice, only missing on ones and twos. With the reroll, that means you're going to hit, on average, seven out of eight of your hits, and you're dealing additional D3. Now it's a D3, so there's no average, but we'll just say two for the sake of it, okay? So that means you're going to be causing 10 wounds on the charge, and this is before 
you're factoring in your panic test with vicious and a panic token. That wipes the unit, okay? So, yeah, I like making stuff dead. His unit makes stuff dead. I like it. <laughs> uh, with the Lancer Halberdier is led by Sandor as well, they become a really nasty unit on the charge because they're going to be charging into something, rolling nine dice or seven if they're on their last rank. Sorry, five dice if they're on their last rank. Um, but on average, they're going to be rolling nine dice, hitting on twos with a reroll, Sundering and Vicious. That is just nasty as well. Um, not as nasty as the Pyromancers, but still pretty damn nasty, guys. Okay, And it really just depends where you're going after. Basically, the whole point of this list is that it shreds through enemy defense in any capacity. So, you know, if you're having trouble with anything like Flayed Men or some Tullys or a mirror match versus some Lannister guards, this list is going to absolutely devastate that. Um, and those two cards are one of the reasons. The last card we have for Gregor is Overrun, when a friendly unit destroys an enemy. Instead of maneuvering, that unit may pivot and then make a charge action. If it is a House Kalean unit, it adds plus two to its charge distance roll. This allows you to, you know, attack things more. I can't really make things simpler. You combine, you know, a standard, if you get Gregor's unit to charge something, deal 10 wounds and then wipe something out, and then overrun, guess what? You get to charge something, deal 10 wounds, and then possibly wipe it out. So that's going to be two units for the price of one and combined with just two tactics cards used to make that happen. Uh, so this list here, probably out of any Lannister list, actually maybe even any list uh, currently out there, has the highest potential damage of just anything out there. Yeah, I'm actually struggling to think of a list right now on release that can just deal the amount of raw damage this has. But it's coming with some negatives. Namely, the fact that every single one of your units here is fairly glass cannon. Okay, well, I'm sorry. That's unfair of me to say. This list is glass cannon in the fact that you're running two units of pyromancers that don't have a lot of staying power, you stuck your commander in with a very fragile unit, and you only have four combat units. Uh, at 40 points, that is a really, really low number of uh, units to have on the actual battlefield. That is why we're running three non-combat units, though, that we really, really have to you know, pull their weight around to help mitigate this. And the reason why we've chosen all of them. Peter Baelish and Pycelle, I talked about you know, in the previous list, and they're here pretty much for the same reasons. Uh, Pycelle is here to throw down weekend to give you guys some more staying power. And Peter has the same uh, thing as before. Except here's the reason he's in this list. I'm a big fan of Peter in 3 NCU list for the following reasons. Is that toward the end of the round, you're going to really kind of get a, uh, a full tactics board, you know, when the opponent's going. Having Peter claim something early means that you're going to get, you know, what you want. And you're not really, you know, so much locked into the fact that, like, man, I'm going to be dealing with leftovers. When Peter is there, he's going to put pressure on your opponent to claim zones of the tactics board earlier in the round. If they're claiming zones of the tactics board earlier in the round, that's going to be eating up their NCUs. If they're only running two NCUs, then you're going to have an extra, act, an extra claim at the end of the round, and that's going to give you extra options. If they only have one NCU, then it's going to be a nightmare for them because you're going to have full control of that tactics board. But you're going to need it because, again, you're only running four combat units. Now, Tyrion is in this list because he's going to give you an extra tactics card. And with the amount of uh, combat units that you're running, you really need all the nasty little surprising tricks that you can muster. And him giving you an extra tactics card every single round, and also helping to limit some of your opponent's options via his order, is really invaluable in this list. 
the thing is is that I am actually a big fan of small uh, activation lists. Uh, I think they can work just fine, and I think that people that go like, oh man, you need to spam activations, again, you need to just kind of play better. I'm sorry, not play better, play differently. The tactics board really mitigates that to an extreme degree. Um, with Tyrion here, he's giving you extra tactics cards, which also help mitigate that to a large degree as well. You have more tricks to use against your opponent here, uh, but you have to know how to use them. Okay, With this list here, this is one that you're going to need to play a couple times to really get used to how it functions, what it's capable of, and what it isn't capable of, and really just kind of how to uh, pilot it. Okay, This is not a list that you can just jump into and go like, yeah, you know, I'm going to just be amazing at this. Because I think that there is a fundamental tactical difference when you are running a low number of activations and forcing the combat board, or sorry, the, the uh, tactics board to be uh, a bigger player in your game. If your opponent's not playing that same game, by the way, if they don't understand how to counter this, this can be a super frustrating list for them to go against. The thing about this list here specifically is that your weakest unit is actually a unit of House Clegane Mountainsmen that is just vanilla. And that should be a scary fact because House Clegane Mountainsmen are pretty nasty on their own. Especially when you know factoring in that you've got Gregor leading them, so they're going to gain a bunch of awesome little cool buffs in the form of all of his tactics cards. Any one of your units that you have in this list being able to attack multiple times in the round is going to really put some hurt on the opponent. Now, there is something that I will say about this list that uh, can be a little bit of a, uh, a trap for players. And I see this in general. This is kind of some general advice. With the Halberdiers, they're an assault unit, okay? Yes, they've got set for charge, okay? But you should always want to charge instead of getting charged. I know that sounds a little counterproductive to their ability, but basically just use that as insurance for when they inevitably do get charged. Otherwise, they want to be leading the offense, especially when they're led by Sandor here, um, because they're going to be rolling, you know, getting a plus one to hit, hitting on three plus for a reroll, getting Sundering, getting Vicious. Yeah, they might take some wounds for doing so, but who cares? They only lose dice when they get down to the last rank. Okay, so just some general advice there. Always attack when you can. Uh, you combine that with all three of the tactics cards that we have here, if you're the Mountain Orders to Destroy, Overrun, you're going to get a bunch of bonuses for doing this anyway. This is kind of one of the um, mental hurdles, I guess, when you're running this list, is because this list has a very strong focus on the tactics board, but it is also being led by the Mountain, who is a visceral, bloodthirsty, I'm going to go kill everyone, you know, uh, murderer. So basically view it as like you've got this just weirdly enough a mad dog on the battlefield leading all your forces that you're just rampaging across killing everything and then you've got this big group of leash handlers back in king's landing on using the tactics board to really make sure that your giant blender of death is pointed in the right direction for when it goes out and kills stuff so that's the kind of mentality to take and frankly just for some reason the idea of that in my head it's just, it's a really fun list to play. It's really fun conceptually a list to play. But all right, guys, that's two lists here to look at using the new Lannister Pyromancers. Go ahead and comment down below if you'd like to give me your thoughts on here, what you think about them, and be sure to tell me exactly how they're terrible lists and how you can never win a single game with them. And uh, we'll go ahead and refute that by saying get good, because, you know, I'm all about, you know, people getting good and learning to overcome weaknesses rather than complaining about your opponent's strengths. Anyway, uh, also leave me a comment here and tell me what exactly type of list you would like to see covered next. And Starks, I can go ahead and throw you guys one as well, looking at some of the new great axes 
um, in the coming days as well. So look for that coming up. All right, guys. Until then, take care.